we continue in our series entitled All I Need, I want to jump in with a question, and it's, and it's this. Uh, how many of you that are parents and you having had young children at one time, now maybe they're grown or maybe you still have them in the house, you've taken them, you've taken them to eat in a restaurant, and before you go to pay, how many of you have ever had your 12-year-old just stop you and say, hey, let me get this today. I got this. Uh, hey, put, 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 it on, put it on one check right here. Anybody ever had that? No, you haven't had that. Of course you haven't had that. They're like, can we also get dessert? Can we get an appetizer? Can I get a steak? No, you're 10. You get grilled cheese until you're old enough to understand the value of a good steak. Now that I'm older, now that I'm older, I love to, when, when I go out with my parents, I love to pick up the bill. Because I'm reminded of how much they gave, how much they sacrificed, how much junk they put up with me. I mean, crawling under the table, yelling at the table, fighting with my brother at the table, and still picking up the check and not just leaving me there. Um, you know, this whole idea of Psalm 23, we're going to be in this. We've been in it for a few weeks. We're going to be in this until close to Christmas. We're, to we're taking a familiar place, but we're asking Jesus to speak some fresh some fresh words to us from a very familiar place. The greatest song probably that has ever been written. And not just know it by heart, but have it seared into our heart and follow it. Not just as a good song, a good poem, but a, really a guide for your life. I want you to know that the same way that children don't even think to ask their parents, Hey, can I pick up that check? It's the same kind of faith and trust and surrender and heart that we can have for our shepherd, that he's got it covered. The reason why those kids don't ask is because they know the history and the track record of mom and dad. That they're going to pick it up. That they're going to take care of it. That it just, it's going to happen. And so they don't even think twice to say, am I covered if I go with you to Del Rio today? Am I covered if I'm over in Nacogdoches and Antipastas? Like, am I covered? No. They just, they just rest in the goodness that it's going to be taken care of. That's what it means to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, for those of you that haven't memorized it, we've been saying it through, and it's just good to say it every single week. And so we're going to say it all locations, all together, out loud with some gusto. Let's read it through. Here we go. Let's go. Say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can you thank the Lord for a beautiful psalm this morning? Can you thank the Lord for that guide that gives you stability in the middle of crazy times? Today we're going to set up camp at this scripture. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Have you ever called someone and it went straight to voicemail and you get the feeling that they are ignoring you? You call them and it, it, it rings once and then it goes to, hi, this is Jeremy. I'm not able to get my phone right now. Please leave a message or I'll call you back. Like, by the way, why are we still saying that? Like, please leave a message at the top. Like, they, everybody knows, you know. You need to just start saying, you know what to do. Beep. <laughs> Save yourself some time. But you ever get, anybody ever gotten the feeling you're being ignored by somebody? You know, as the kiddos say these days with the text message, they left me on red. I don't know, maybe that was last week. Now it's something newer now. But, uh, or vice versa, they think you, you are ignoring them. Isn't it so funny how we fill the gap with suspicion, but we expect everybody else to fill the gap with trust? Like if we didn't answer, it's because we were really, truly busy. But if they don't answer, like, why are they ignoring me? Why don't they have time for me? Don't they know, you know? Or is that just me and my wife? Is that just us? Okay. I wonder, though, if that's sometimes how we get to feel when it comes to connecting with God, that, that maybe um, God is only excited to take your call when you've been good. That, that, he's, o- that, that he's only really ready to listen to you when you've had a, a string of good days. And if we're not doing good, God is like, oh great, this guy again. And he goes into the automatic message, can I call you later? Let me call you back. Nothing could be further from the truth. We're doing good spiritually, and it's like God answers our phone call quicker. Our Savior isn't Santa. He doesn't have a naughty and nice list. He's our Savior. He's our shepherd. And and the question I want to talk about and answer today is this. You can write it down. What is God's true reaction? What is his real reaction Toward us when we've strayed from the path. We think we know his response to us when we're on the right path. But how does he respond when we've strayed from the path? Because the truth is we've all been there a time or two or twelve. Where you and I, we've returned to an old habit. We spark up an old relationship that should be dead. Another pattern, another reaction, an attitude, a mode of thinking that's stinking thinking, but we bring it back into our lives. Or or just straight up an old sin that you know is sin, people know is sin, but you just sin. You re-sink your fangs back into that, or you plunge back in like a kid doing a cannonball in the pool. And then you look back and say, ah, what was I I thinking? The Bible says, as a dog returns to, to its own vomit... So a fool returns to his own folly. It's crazy how we go back to things. And sometimes it's, it's oh, why did I do that? You've been sober for so long and you, and, and you had, a, you had a, a, a relapse and you think, oh, God's, God's going to be so like, ugh. And that has been the issue since the beginning of time, since the Garden of Eden, and since the beginning of creation as we know it. Adam and Eve fall short of the glory of God. They sin. God says do it this way. They go the other direction because they think it looks good and they want to be wise and they want to be wise in their own eyes. And it seems pleasing at the time. And so they eat the fruit and immediately they realize, whoa, shouldn't have done that. They see their innocence. They see their vulnerability. They see their nakedness. And so what do they do? They go hide and they're ashamed and they feel guilty. And they think think that God is going to stomp through the garden like the crazy giant 
fee fi fo fum who ate the flipping apple. But instead, God comes into the garden and he says, what? where are you? Who told you you're naked? He goes to where they are. And he meets them where they are. God is the shepherd in good and bad. And in the Christ life, there's going to be great times. There's going to be tough times. I mean, if you're here and you've, you're wrestling, you're, you're kicking the tires on what Christianity really is. Because maybe what you've gotten in the past, you, you got turned off and you said, I'm going to give it a shot again or I'm going to try it out. And you, you, you thought that you would get, but, 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 but there's something inside you saying, mm, I just don't know about uh, this thing. I, I, you know, if I give my life to Christ, if I truly follow that, you know, what's that really going to look like? Can I tell you what it's going to look like? Good days and bad days. Good times where you do well and good times where you do not do well. In fact, write it down. There will be tremendously high highs and unbelievably low lows. Even as a Christ follower. And the author of this incredible psalm knows what high highs look like and what low lows feel like. David himself had tremendously high highs. As a little boy, as a kid, a pimply teenager, wrangling and, and guiding sheep in the pastures, killed a bear, became a skilled assassin with a slingshot, anointed in front of his whole family, waits years, decades before he's actually king, shows up on the battlefield, stands face to waist with the giant, and in one fell swoop, like a bullet, knocks the giant down, kills the giant. The Philistines are like, no way. And David's like, Yahweh. And it's awesome. He knows high highs. David knows low lows. David knows what it's like to be um, chased by enemies. He knows what it's like that people he loves would turn against him. Not only King Saul, but his own children in the middle of his reign force him to leave out of the kingdom in, in, in uh, shame as Absalom takes the throne in this coup d'etat. He knows high highs, he knows low lows. So what does it look like to follow our Savior when we're a mess? In this psalm, he shows us that even... Even when we stray from the path, he's still a good shepherd. In fact, would you write it down? He's a shepherd of my good days and bad days too. He's not just a shepherd. I was talking with someone on the phone just the other day. And I was saying to them, look, you have self-admitted that, that the path you're on is not necessarily a, a path that you think I would approve of as your pastor and as your friend. But I want you to know it's really not a matter of what I approve of or not. It's a matter of all of us saying, um, if we are created by God and Jesus is our Savior and our goal is to follow Jesus, if our life doesn't match up with the character, convictions, and conduct of Christ, then it's not about what I think about your life. It's, it's what, how does Jesus see my life? But I want you to know, friend, that even when you are not living the life that, that you think Jesus would want you to live, he's still chasing after you. He still, after, he still loves you. 
He still wants you to come to him. He's not forgotten you. So today, as we unpack this part of Psalm 23, I want to give us four reasons why it's great to be under his care when you aren't doing so great. I, I hate it that when people start doing when they start drifting from God, they get out of church. That's the best time to, to, to hang on. That's the best time to get in church. That's the best time to stay in church. Is when things go south, when you go crazy, when you lose your spiritual geometry and you forget which way is up and which way is down. Like that's the time to get in. But I want you to know that if you're here with us today at one of our locations, maybe you're here and frankly you are the furthest away from what it looks like to please God. And you know it, and you feel it. Can I just say to you, God placed you here today because he's your shepherd. And whether you've been good or you've been bad, he's not Santa, he's a savior. And he loves you. And he wants to restore your soul. And he wants to get you back on track. Whether it's the first time or it's the 70th time, he is a patient shepherd. Four reasons why it's so great to be under his care when you aren't doing so great. Number one, because our shepherd doesn't just stand idle. He doesn't just stand by. Our shepherd pursues us. The Bible says it's clear. We're like sheep. 400 times sheep are mentioned in the Bible. Sheep aren't mentioned a single time in Psalm 23. But we're no, we know our identity because we know he's a shepherd. So if he is who he says he is, we are who he says we are. We discover our identity in when we discover who he is. We're like sheep. We go astray. Another way to say it would be you're like a kid in Walmart that gets lost from their family down the frozen food section. Because you get all mesmerized with the popsicles and the blue bell and the Ben and Jerry's and whatnot. Just licking all the blue bell, you know. And all of a sudden you look up from licking the rocky road and your mom's not there. And you're like, <laughs> and the fear kicks in. She must be right down the next aisle. So you walk down, she's not there. And so you, because you want to be cool, but you're also scared out of your mind. You start walking the fast walk. Anybody, you know, you, 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 you kind of, you're not wanting to run. Sorry, I'm getting off, the, getting off the screen there in the Nacogdoches location. You know, they got these boundaries on me that I can't pass. Ticks me off. What am I saying? Get lost in the grocery aisle. Finally, you find mom. You know, you're trying to, like, not sweat it. <laughs> I knew you were here. She's like, oh, are you scared? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Burlington Coat Factory. Got lost in Burlington Coat Factory two weeks ago. No, I'm kidding. When I was a kid. When I was a kid at Burlington Coat Factory, we had to drive 30 miles to get to a Burlington Coat Factory and a Sears and a Montgomery's Ward. Montgomery Ward's. Rest in peace, Montgomery. Uh, we would go to the mall and we'd go to Burlington Coat Factory. And it was Easter time. And we were getting new suits as kids to wear to Easter all year. Well, I got, I got sidetracked. I got lost. And I couldn't find mom in Burlington Coat Factory. Now, here's what made this a terrible moment. The week before, if, you, if, if there are teenagers in the Lufkin location in Nacogdoches, I'm just going to say we've, we've got an incredible youth ministry. Can't wait to see the cool connection event coming to Nacogdoches. But, but you have a great youth pastor here. Like my, my youth pastor, let me just tell you, like the week before Easter, we all sat down at a youth event 
and we watched these videos called A Thief in the Night. And they were these Christian videos that were, were designed to show you like when Jesus comes back and there's this tribulation and all the Christians go to heaven and all the people that deny Christ, they're on earth and like all hell breaks loose on earth. People getting guillotined and, and boiled. And like, I mean, you're, I'm watching this as a 12-year-old, you know, and they sing this song in the middle of the videos and it's like, two men walking up a hill. Jesus comes and one's left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. And then the tag is, there's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. That was what was going through my mind at Burlington Coat Factory. And you've been left behind. I thought the rapture had taken place, that Jesus had come back, and I was by myself at Burlington Coat Factory. I did not have a phone to text mom. I had to run to the payphone in the back of Burlington Coat Factory, dial 1-800-COLLECT, and then our number, 316-294-2429, for Paola, Kansas, for my mom, because we still had a landline, because dad was home studying for the sermon because he was a pastor, and he didn't pick up, and I said, of course he didn't pick up. He went, too, because he's a pastor. <laughs> I called my friends down the street, and their dad picked up, and I said, it doesn't matter. I know he's far from God. <laughs> so I go back to the, 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 the suit section, and I ball myself up in fetal position. Finally, my mom comes in. I'm like, Mom, I wish we'd all been ready. You know, like, it was a moment. I got saved all over again right there in the halls of that Burlington Coat Factory, friends. And he clothed me in righteousness right there in Burlington. A coat of many colors. A coat of the prodigal fa father of the prodigal son. Anyway, moving on. You know what? I wish we were like homing pigeons where there's a built-in GPS that we can just, and we can find our place. I wish we were ducks that fly south. It's crazy. Goose or whatever they are. Birds, okay, birds, everybody. <laughs> Have you seen birds fly in your front yard and like the geometry and, the, and the, the skill to dance together like that? It's because they're connected. They've just got this built-in Google Maps stuff going on. But we're not like homing pigeons. I wish we were like great white sharks that can, can travel from, from Antarctica to Hawaii and have babies in the warm water and go back and, and make this cycle every single year and, and, and be within moments, like have the same kind of tiny like a Rolex watch. But, but God says we're not like great whites, okay? We're not like penguins that go back to the same location without a map and have their babies and, and, and do their thing. Like, like, we're not like that. We're like sheep, and we get lost, and we get distracted. We're sheep, not sharks. Now, some of you may be shark-like in some elements. You're organized. Like, you, you are, you, you're, you're a shark when it comes to business. But there's going to be something in your life, some area in your life that you're like a sheep, and you go astray. It's your tendency. J. Allen Blair says it like this in his devotional on Psalm 23. He says, most of the roads and paths on which they traveled, talking about shepherds and their sheep, most of those roads were extremely narrow. The fields of grain on either side often proved to be too great a temptation. So one little nibble and then another until deeper and deeper the sheep went into the field. And soon, he was completely lost from the rest of the flock. 
And that's how it is with us, usually. One little nibble here, one little chase of a butterfly there. We wander, we drift, but our shepherd pursues us. The Bible says, Jesus says in his parable, that, that the father's like a good shepherd who's willing to have a hundred sheep, and if one gets wandered off, one gets lost, one, one nibble after another, they get off the path. He leaves the 99, and he chases after that one. And when he finds that sheep, what does he do? He drags that sheep out of that field. He rubs, he rubs the sheep's nose in the ground, you dirty little, you naughty little sheep. No. No, he doesn't do that. In fact, the, the, the pictures are, are correct. He, he gathers like a good shepherd. He gathers that sheep on his shoulders and joyfully brings that sheep back for the very first time. And every time we slide backwards. That, that, that's an old church word, backsliding. But when you really think of these sheep that are on a trail in a narrow path and they're going up the hillside and the moment they stop or the moment they get distracted, they can slide backwards. When we, when we stop growing in Christ, it, it leaves us vulnerable. It leaves us, to, when we stop, that we can get stuck and we then start to slide backwards. Now, we think of backsliding as, uh, you know, turning and running in the opposite direction. But it's usually one nibble after another nibble, after another nibble. And do you know what God says to those who are sliding backwards? Well, good luck finding your way back home. Well, good luck, you naughty little sheep. No, here's what he says. Jeremiah 3, he says it like this to the Israelites. Return, you backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Indeed, we do come to you, for you are the Lord our God. And I want you to know something very clearly here is not only are they coming to the Lord and acknowledging their need to be healed from their backsliding, but God has not turned a deaf ear to them. He says, come to me. I'm going to draw near to you as you draw near to me. In fact, I'm going to take the right steps before you could ever even take steps. I'm going to make the right steps and I'm going to clear the right path and I'm going to take you, but you've got to trust me in the process. He pursues you. Number two, our shepherd renews us. The shepherd's heart is to make us stronger than we were before. The shepherd's heart is to restore our soul. And I love the original language, what it means. It, what it literally means to restore our soul is this, that he brings my soul back. He brings my soul back. So when you return to an old vice, when you sink your fangs into that same old sin, you feel upside down, you feel turned around, you feel lost. Do you know that, and you, there's no reason you should know this because we're not living in, a, in an agrarian society anymore, most of us. Most of us didn't grow up on a farm with a bunch of animals, including sheep. But if you, if you were raised around sheep, you would know Sheep get turned upside down, literally. They are not the most aerodynamic creatures, okay? They're not greyhounds, okay? You, you, don't, you don't name the greyhound buses, you know, the sleek moving buses that get you somewhere fast like sheep buses. They're greyhounds for a reason. 
And what happens is they, they, they are so heavy and so skinny in their legs. <laughs> I, can, I can relate a few months ago. That if they get off the path and they get into some rocky terrain and they get to places where they don't know what the, what the pasture really feels like underneath the thick grass, they can find themselves falling over and getting truly stuck like Steve Urkel. I've fallen and I can't get up. Here's a picture of a sheep falling over, stuck. Someone on the side of the road. Begins to see that sheep and so gets out of their car and begins to video. The sheep is trying, but it can't get up. Help. Hey, a little help, Keith. And Keith's over here like, dude, why'd you, why'd you fall down like that, bro? He's like, I can't get up. At least, like, grab my leg or something. So the, the, the videographer, the, the passerby, gives him a nudge, and what happens? The sheep gets up. And goes back to the rest of the flock. And then he shows like a, yeah! <laughs> ACDC shepherd, apparently. Can I show you something that happened that doesn't normally happen when Jesus turns you backside up, right side up? Many times when he turns us right side up, we stay right where we are. And we feel ashamed. And we feel guilt. And we live in that. And we say... Jesus, I don't deserve to be there. Or you think that, that other people won't accept you. But do you, do you see the instinct of the sheep? Because the sheep knows the flock and the sheep knows the shepherd, the sheep, when they're turned back over, they, they join the rest. You don't need to stay and just say, I'm so sorry that I fell over. I don't know. The shepherd's not sitting there saying, why'd you turn over, you, you dummy? He restores the soul and, and, and wants us to rejoin the flock. Number three, our shepherd leads us to the right places. Not only does he restore our soul, but then he's, he's leading us somewhere better. And we stray because we see something that seems good to eat. Or we feel like, man, we're going to be able to take a good nap over by that water. But, but we don't know that there's pain on that path. That there's trouble on that path over there. That through that field, just, just beyond those shadows of those trees, there are, there are wolves waiting in the shadows. But the shepherd knows. And the shepherd also knows that even though they're going to be walking through a valley a couple verses from now, you're not going to walk alone. He's going to lead, but you've got to wait and you've got to follow and you can't do it on your own. Because all of us, the Bible says there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. But we're like sheep and we go our own path. But do you know in order to be led on the right path, you've got to get off the wrong path. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You can't have, you can't go hokey pokey on Jesus here. Where you got one foot in and one foot out. And you do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. But that's what it's all about when you really think about it. I'm sorry. Where you got one leg into trying to please God, but one leg in the trying to, to make sense in your own. 
So there's some things, when you're on the right path, there's some signs that you got to follow. There's some yield signs. There's some stop signs. Here, here's just a few. I can't follow a culture that doesn't follow God. So, so when, the, when the culture becomes attractive, but it doesn't align with God's word, which should be the moral compass for every believer... When the culture goes against the grain of God's word, I can't follow culture and follow God at the same time. It doesn't work. Look, here's what else. I can't follow friends who don't follow God. Well, I'm going to hang out with them and through osmosis, I'm going to become... You, you can't just follow them. You, you might lead friends. You can be a leader with friends. But if you are following friends that don't follow God, you're going to find yourself on paths that God hasn't designed for you to be on. Here's another one. I, I can't follow God and other sources for divine direction. This is, this is a great tool by the enemy. If he can, if he can mix in enough half-truths to get you off track, he will do that. If it seems good, if it seems like a good idea, so yes, we love God, but I'm also trying to find myself spiritually through these certain, you know, these certain Eastern religions. Or I like the Bible, but I, I'm also, you know, over here in Buddhism, and I'm over here in this New Age, and I'm, I'm over here in this transcendentalism. I, you know, you can't add to God other sources and really expect to be on the right path. And that's the cool craze. Don't just be, don't be limited in one. I, I, I believe in this power out here, some vague electrical force field in the cosmos that's good, that's bad. It's the God of my understanding. And I want you to know the God of, of the Bible is way beyond just the God of your understanding. He's, he's the God creator of the universe. Some of those popular things these days, some of it's a scam but a lot of it has roots in, in mythology and, and, and mysticism. Palm reading it, it isn't just a scam with some people. Like, like, let me tell you if, you, if you ever go to a palm reader, don't. <laughs> if you do, they say, can I get your credit card number? Then you already know. You already know. You're like, well, you tell me. You tell me what it is. What's your CVV? <laughs> it's three digits. You tell me, palm reader. Anyway, I'm, I'm kidding. Don't go there. Um, you know, parrots, there, there's a whole parrot, parrot, in, in, it's, it's crazy, you can look it up, it's where you open up the cage and a parrot comes out and chooses an artifact or chooses a tarot card, and that's how you follow. I mean, people take seriously the, the, the fortune cookies that they got at P.F. Chang's or China Max, like, don't trust some dude in New Jersey with a typewriter, typing all kinds of stuff out of a book and putting them in a cookie. But people do that. Here's another one, and by just the sound of the name, you might be able to figure it out. Rumpology. It's a real thing. Rumpology. It's they will look at your derriere, your rump, and they will determine the course of your life by the different, they're like, I see a really big future, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Scatomancy, this is even worse, uh, through animal excrement or even human feces, they, they try and, and read the future. 
your future you is in your poo. Um, <laughs> astrology, now that, that's not as crazy as the other ones. In fact, uh, a lot of people still read the horoscope in this, that, or the other magazine. And, and it's the alignment of these stars. It's the alignment. But, I, you know, can I say something to you? The alignment of the stars is one thing. The creator of the stars is a whole nother thing. And you can't have one foot in one place and another foot in the other and expect to really know the path God has for you. I can't be led by those things. I can't be led by my feelings because your feelings will lie to you. I can't be led by my circumstances. You know Jonah? Jonah ran from God like roadrunner. Beep, beep, psh, and ran the opposite direction. And you know what? If he were to live in 2019 and he were to lay all this fleece out before God and he's running from God. Okay, you know, maybe God's okay with me running if I have a ticket. Well, there was a ticket to buy to get on another boat. In fact, there was another boat at harbor that day, so he could get on. They had a spot for him. It was going the opposite direction of Nineveh to Tarshish. And not only that, but then when he got on the boat and the, got, and the boat uh, went its ways, he, he felt so good that he was able to nap. Listen, I don't know about you, but when I know I've done something wrong, it's hard for me to sleep. It's hard for me to sleep. Jonah took a nap. Jonah took a nap after running from God. You can't just determine just because you got a promotion that that must be God's will. Just because it felt good, just because it seemed right, just because you finally feel love in the spouse you have right now doesn't show you the love in the way that this person shows you love that maybe God just wants me to be happy. No, God wants you to be holy. And your circumstances and your feelings cannot dictate the direction you go. But even when you go astray, he will chase you and pursue you and renew you and lead you to better paths. So how do you know what the better path is? How do you know what the path of righteousness? Jesus says it clearly in John 10. The shepherd walks ahead of the sheep. See, he doesn't drive them like cattle like we see in the westerns. Ha! And they're behind him and they're gathering and they're, 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 they're driving them somewhere. He leads them. He simply stands in front and he walks and the sheep follow. They follow him for they recognize his voice. There's a whole lot of voices out there. There's a whole lot of voices that can drown out the right voices in your life, the right voices in my life. Everybody has a voice these days with social media. Whose voice are you going to listen to? When my, um, when my wife was pregnant, I love to, when the babies were getting a little bit bigger and she was showing and, and, uh, and she would actually let me touch her um, <laughs> because she was pregnant and she was like, just give me my space. Um, I'd lay there in bed and I'd, I'd get up on one elbow and, and I'd get close to that little, t that, that little tummy and, I, and that, that living baby inside and I'd say can't wait to see you and when we finally picked out a name oh Sage Elizabeth you're going to be amazing I, I'm your daddy and I can't wait to see you we're going to go on dates and, and 
I'm going to be such a great dad and I'm going to treat you so right. It's going to be really, really hard for any other boy to ever take your heart because I'm going to have your heart so hard and so strong and I will die for you. You my girl. You're a champion. You're a leader. You can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want if God gives you the ability to do it. And we, we talk like that because we really believe they hear us and because we want them to know our voice. God shows us in his word that before you were even knit in your mama's womb, he had plans. He was speaking stuff over you, saying things about you, designs for your life. You are not an accident. There can be accidental pregnancies, but there is no accidental children. He leads us from the front with his voice. I know my wife's voice through a crowd. I just know it. I not only know my wife's voice, I know her so well, I know her walk. When she's walking through a, 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 a place, I know her cadence of her feet. I just know it. Because it's, like, I know this is hard to explain, but it's a joyful cadence. It's a fun cadence. It's an it's a on-purpose cadence. I was in the second story of St. Luke's Medical Center waiting to see a doctor. And it's an open air waiting room up there. My wife works at CHI St. Luke's. And I'm just sitting there reading the golf magazine. And all of a sudden I hear it. And I can't help but smile. That's my girl. She's just walking right through. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, I'm on purpose. I'm going. I'm going to make it happen. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm. And then I hear her stop. Hey, girl, how are you doing? What's up, girl? She's just so happy. It makes me sick. I know her voice. I can tell her voice through a crowd. Listen, he wants to be close enough and he'll lead you, but you got to know his voice. you got to know his voice. If you don't listen to his voice in the calm, you will not hear him in the chaos. And the reason he wants you to lay down in green pastures and lead you beside still waters, because there's got to be some space in your life where you figure out who he is and what he sounds like and what his cadence is along the path of righteousness. Because if you wait to know his voice only when the thunder rolls, only when you hear the growls of the wolves waiting in the shadows, you can be so consumed with everything surrounding you that you can't hear the voice of the master saying, this way, everybody. So what are you doing to get into the rhythms of hearing God's voice? Stop complicating it. Stop complicating it. If, if you don't spend any time in the word or simply listening to worship music or just talking to God for a moment, start with just a few minutes, a few moments. Make the most of your three prayers of breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Throw away, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. And take a moment and say, I don't know where I'd be without you, Jesus. And for this food, we are grateful. Thank you that we haven't had to learn that you're all we need. Because you've been all we've had. Thank you. Guide us today, may we know your voice better. It took me 30 seconds, and I want to say the more, the more you surrender to what God wants to do, just start somewhere. 
It's why we ought not to forsake gathering together as a church. Because it's not just about hearing your pastor's voice. In fact, it has nothing to do with hearing your pastor's voice. It's that through this process of praise and worship and taking next steps and surrendering and contemplating and thinking and seeing the scripture and reading the scripture and hearing the word and unpacking it for us, that through that process, way beyond hearing Jeremy, you would hear Jesus. You would hear Jesus. His voice is strong. And his voice is loving. And his voice is powerful. Number four, our shepherd includes us. <laughs> he includes us in something bigger than we could ever be part of solo. You know, in this whole grand scheme of the universe, what's my place as one little sheep in all this universe? But yet... He calls us sons and daughters of the Most High God and King. And do you know what shepherds have been doing since the beginning of shepherding? They've been branding their sheep. They've been marking their sheep. And you are marked. And you are not marked with what mama said you would never be. You are not marked by what that person did to you. You are not labeled by that issue or that ism or that mental thing. You may have some struggles in life, but you are not marked by that. That is not your identity. You are marked, you are seared, you are branded, you are tagged by the creator of the cosmos and the son of the living God who loves you so much, he would lead you and guide you. And guess what he does it for? To put your names in, in name in lights? No, it's such a humbling thing that he would do all that for us. So guess what we get to do? We get to be led in righteousness, not for our name's sake, but for his name's sake. And the more we simply follow him, there are people in your family and relationships that you thought were silent that start sparking up. And associates and neighbors that start saying something about you that's a little different because you've been acting a little different. And all of a sudden, it's all for his name's sake because it's not what Jeremy did. It's what Jesus has done for me and through me and on my behalf because I was fallen and I could not get up. But in his divine love, in his divine nature, he didn't look and say, get up. What are you thinking? He comes to me and he gathers me up and he puts me on his shoulders and he gets me into the right place and he prepares that path and he lays me in there and he says, let's go, Jeremy. You're restored. Follow me. The question I leave you with today is, what is it that we could possibly do by ourselves that would be bigger than what we could do with Parenting is so tough. Overcoming addiction is hard. The shame and the guilt that you feel because you, you keep going through the same old thing and you're like, why? Going through that alone, thinking that God is mad at you, is what the enemy wants to do. The enemy is a liar. And if he can lie to you about who God is, you, you, you won't know who he truly is and you're listening to lies and I want you to know he's the shepherd of your bad days too. 
He's the shepherd of your days that you say, why do I keep doing what I don't want to do? And he still is willing to meet you and restore you. But you can't be the shepherd of your own path. You're not the great white. You're a sheep. Listen to his voice and let him restore you. All locations, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? There's a team member joining me at the front of each stage. If you're here today and you feel lost, you feel like you're off the path, all you need to do is call out to Jesus. You cannot fix yourself, but he will restore you that's you and you need to surrender to God and you, you need to ask him, would you restore my soul for the first time or maybe, maybe the first time in a long time. If that's you at all locations right now, just put a hand right up in the air. I need Jesus to restore me today. I need Jesus to restore me today. Hands at Lufkin. I know hands are going up. He sees you and he's not mad at you. He meets you right in this moment. The way you just put a hand up in the air, Jesus takes your hand right there. You do not have to reach heaven. Heaven reaches you. In your own words, you say, Jesus, be my shepherd. Be all I need. Make me lie down in the right pastures. Lead me beside the still waters so I don't get sidetracked. Thank you for this moment. Would you restore my soul? Forgive me of the stuff that separates me from you, that gets me off path. That's, that's sin. Would you place me back on track with you and lead me in paths of right living? God, for those that are, that are saved, but they feel like they keep going back to the same old, same old thing. Lord, would we exchange our shame and exchange our despair and exchange our guilt for for conviction that leads to repentance, that leads to refreshing, that leads to restoration, that leads to saying, God, you are my God in the good days and the bad days too. So I'm gonna trust you even though I've fallen, yet I will follow you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.